that are not godly or were actually taken from biblical principles but perverted. And I've fought with that for many years. That's probably one of the reasons I've never dived into this subject because I didn't, I, I didn't know enough to feel comfortable to share this type of information. But I have found that the enemy will, can, only, uh, can never create, but he will only duplicate and then pervert it. And so I want to stay on the side of God and of Scripture and let you know that my intention is going to be scripturally based and as accurate as possible. So I'm laying a seed tonight, and that's really what I'm doing, is the information I'm going to give you tonight, like I said, you're going to be feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. But I want enough seed to be planted into your spirit that one day it will come to revelation for you. And really this is a revelatory type of a teaching. I've always heard about this on and off through many years of being a Christian, but I've never caught it. And that's what a revelation is, is you catch something. You see, I can teach you something, and it may go into your head, your brain, but unless it deposits into your spirit, you don't get it. It's the reason there's a lot of Christians who have a lot of head knowledge of God, the things of God, but they've never allowed it to go into their spirit and they don't walk in complete victory because they, they haven't caught it. And so some things have to be caught in the spirit rather than taught. Although as humans, that's all we can do is teach it. With the hopes and the prayers that you get it, you catch it. And that's what I'm doing tonight is I'm hoping some of you catch it. For some of you, you will get it tonight. Some of you got it last week. Some of you will get it tonight. Not all of you may. But I'm planting seed that one day you will get what I'm saying to you. And I, of course, always encourage you to be what the Bible calls a Berean. You'll find in the New Testament a Greek group of people in Berea where they took the teachings of Paul and they compared it to Scripture to make sure it was validated by Scripture. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Don't take my word for it. Do your own study. Do your own study. And I'm confident that when you do your own study in this, and if you have the right resources to uh, lead you in the right direction, you will find confirmation in what I'm going to be teaching tonight. So if you will just allow me to pray and ask God to bless the teaching of the word tonight. So Lord Jesus, this is your time. And Lord, I am so humbled, so humbled to be able to share your word. Lord, I know in my flesh I don't feel worthy, I don't feel honored, I don't feel like I should even be behind this podium, but Lord, you obviously do. And Lord, I'm thankful for this privilege. And Lord, I just ask that as, as I teach, Lord, that this knowledge, this information, this revelation is caught in everyone's spirit. So Lord, those that don't catch it tonight, Lord, I pray that the seeds will one day Produce a harvest, Lord, to where they get what is being taught tonight somewhere down the road. I pray it be sooner than later. But bless this word. Bless the spoken word. Bless the written word, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is I'm going to go very quickly, and I'm just going to, like I said, quickly read verses of Scripture. It may be too fast to even write down the addresses because... I want to get through quite a bit of these uh, 
Some of you are taking notes. I know Teen Challenge takes notes. If you want to get with me, I'll put them off for you later just so you have references if you need to do that for some of you, what you're doing. Just remind me, I will get you this. But I'm going to quickly, quickly validate, and I'm just using the one word, mind, in, in the search here. You can go to crosswalk.com, which is one of those online Bible resources that I that I use personally. Many times in my studies, I use crosswalk.com. They have the entire Bible um, uh, on, on online for free, no charge, in every imaginable uh, translation, even other languages. Wonderful resource. Another one that's very similar is BibleGateway.com. So you can go do your own research, okay? So I typed the word mind, M-I-N-D, in this to see what the Bible says and what reference it makes to the mind. And so real quick, for the sake of time, I'm going to read these. Deuteronomy 4.9, do not let these things escape you from your mind as long as you live. Deuteronomy 4.39, so remember this and keep it firmly in your mind. 1 Kings 3.9, give me under an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well. 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9, worship and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. Psalm 7.9, for you look deep within the mind of the heart, O righteous God. Psalm 64, 6, yes, the human heart and mind are cunning. Psalm 94, 19, when doubts fill my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Psalm 119, I won't even say the verses, I'll just do the chapter for the sake of time. Psalm 119, I will quietly keep in my mind your decrees. Another verse in 119 of Psalms. Give me the discerning mind that you promised. Proverbs 12. Everyone admires a person with good sense, but a warped mind is despised. Proverbs 16. From a wise mind comes wise speech. Great nugget. Isaiah 55. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds and let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Jeremiah 4, cleanse your minds and hearts before the Lord. Jeremiah 11, O Lord, you are just and you examine the deepest thoughts of hearts and minds. Jeremiah 31, says the Lord, I will put my law into their minds. Jeremiah 32, and I will give them one heart and mind to worship me forever. Ezekiel 11, for I know every thought that comes into your mind. I'm going to keep going here because I, I want you to get, to get this. Ezekiel 14, I will do this to capture the minds and hearts of my people. Ezekiel 38, and at the, that time, evil thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise a wicked scheme. Daniel 5, and when his heart and mind were hardened with pride, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. Now, New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, I'm sorry, Mark 12, 
And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all your strength. Luke 24, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. John 14, and Jesus said, for I am leaving you with a gift, which is a peace of mind and heart. Acts chapter 4, and they be, and all the believers were of one heart and one mind. Romans chapter 1, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, and the result was that their minds had become dark and confused. Romans 1, also another verse, when they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that they should never have been done. Romans 7, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. Are you getting this? I'm hoping everybody gets this. Romans 8. If your sinful, this is very good. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, then there is life and there's peace. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A better translation of this is be renewed by changing the way you think. Okay? King James says renew the mind. The modern translations to put it in 2014 is change the way you think, that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So he's wanting us to change our thoughts and change how we think so that when we change them according to the things of God, then we will be pleasing in his sight. I don't know about you, but I have a golden life. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. In everything that I do, I know I fail him, I will make mistakes, but my goal in life is to please him as often as I can. Is it your will, your, your goal in life? 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 1, verse 10, I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. 2 Corinthians 3, but the people's minds were hardened. And even to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, a veil covers the minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. Ephesians 4, their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut 
their minds and harden their hearts against God. Philippians 4, for his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Another principle we're going to talk about here shortly. Colossians chapter 2, these people claim to be so humble, but their sinful minds have made them proud. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 1 Timothy 6, I hope I'm not boring you. This is the word of God. I hope I'm not boring you. 1 Timothy 6, these people always cause trouble for their minds are corrupt. 2 Timothy 1, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. A better interpretation is that he gives us the power to have self-discipline or self-control of our minds. We're going to be getting to that here momentarily. We're going to get to the science part of our minds and our brains. 2 Timothy chapter 3. For their minds are depraved and their faith is counterfeit. 2 Timothy chapter 4, but you shall keep a clear mind in every situation. In other words, no confusion. It would be the enemy's tactic to bring confusion to your mind and what you think because it again creates your, your behavior. Titus chapter 1, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are defiled. Almost done here. Hebrews 8, for I will put my laws in their minds so they will understand them. James 1, but when you ask of him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettling as the waves of a sea. 1 Peter 3, finally, brethren, I wish all of you to have be of one mind. I also did some scriptures on the single word that are, are, are the words that deal with thoughts or thought or thinking or thinks. The, that, those words that are all root dealing with the word thinking and thought. In Genesis 6, it says God saw all their thoughts and were consistently and totally evil. 1 Samuel 16, people judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at a person's thoughts and intentions. Okay? He looks at our thoughts. He looks at our heart, our intention, our motivation, our purpose. Psalm 17, for you have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, which is what my, our goal should be. Let everything that we do try our best to be pleasing to the Lord. Let our thoughts, let our, our actions, our words please him. I'll skip some of this. I mean, I, I, I can go on and on with scriptures just on this one word of thoughts. Um talks about evil thoughts. For you, God, test my thoughts. Jeremiah 12. He 
Ezekiel 38, and at that time, evil thoughts will come to your mind, and then you will devise a wicked scheme. We're going to learn tonight, and what we have been learning is that our actions are produced by what we think in our minds. Matthew 6, going to the New Testament, for wherever your treasure is, there's your heart and your thoughts will also be. from within for from within out of a person's heart come evil thoughts Galatians 5 this is important because I may I may elaborate on this here shortly Galatians 5:19 when you follow the desires or it begins with a thought when you follow the desires of a of your sinful nature, your lives will produce evil results such as sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, and then I'm going to read more later on. Okay. Ephesians 4, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. We're going to find tonight that your thoughts produce an attitude, and our attitude, whether good or bad, whether the thoughts are good or bad, produces our mood, and our mood produces our behavior. The reason some of us can be in a bad mood, and it will show out most likely in our actions. And some people can say, man, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? Well, something happened in that day that caused a, a, a something to happen to cause the thought that produces the attitude, that produced the mood, that came out finally in whatever kind of behavior that they came out of. Um, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. I'm talking about the word of God exposes us. That's the reason some of us don't like to read the word of God because it, it exposes our sinful nature. And so we don't like to be exposed, so therefore we just quit reading the word of God thinking that it'll all go away on its own. But instead of reading the word of God and allowing the word to help change us, so that we don't have to deal with that problem anymore. That should be a goal of ours as well. And then Revelation 2. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. I'm not even going to go. I have scriptures on the word conscience. I did a search on conscience. I'm not even going to go into that because I'm going to get into my teaching. So I have. I have. Um, I don't know, about five pages of scriptures here alone on this subject matter of the mind and thoughts and consciousness. I'm finding out that in scripture that our thoughts precede our words and our actions. And as we think, we are either being formed by God 
or we be informed by the enemy. And pretty much all of us, I would say all of us, are being influenced in both directions. If you are unsaved, if you do not know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, then you are being 100% influenced by the enemy. You are blinded to truth. And until you give your life to Christ and your spirit man on the inside, unless it comes alive, it, you can never receive revelation from the Lord. That's the reason the scripture we read earlier that the enemy has blinded the unbelievers because he has convinced them through the sinful nature that you and I live in and the sinful world that we live in that he has convinced them that a lie has been a truth when in fact it has been a lie. So I want to talk tonight about the science part of the mind. And again, I'm not a scientist. I am relying completely upon Dr. Caroline Leaf and the studies that I have started with her. I'm sure the Lord will bring other people in my path, but this is the one that the Lord has brought in my path at the moment. And I have no reason to doubt of what Dr. Caroline Leaf has been teaching in all of hers. I'm planning on getting her book and, and doing even more research on the power of the brain and how God designed it. You can look her up on YouTube. It's like she's all over the place, traveled all over the world, speaking on the subject matter from a Christian perspective of a neuroscientist. But as you're listening to me right now, this very second, your brain is processing this information that I'm giving you at 400 billion thoughts per second. Okay, I'm going to give you numbers, statistics from a scientist. You are building thoughts in your brain right now as I speak, and if you don't take to heart with this information that I'm taking and giving to you, if you don't take it to heart and you don't take it seriously, then you'll forget what I'm telling you within 24 to 48 hours based upon how the, the brain is designed to process information. In order to make a real change in our life, science has proven that it takes a full 63 days or, 20, or three cycles of 21 days in order to completely renew our mind or change a thought pattern. So that's where discipline comes in to be repetition and to constantly repeat something or read something over and over to help change a negative thought into a positive thought. Or, to or it can go in the opposite to where you can have a, a positive thought and it can be reversed by having a repetition of negative thoughts in its place. The power of the mind to create these I wish I had a video here to show you because they've actually, however science does it and however technology does it, they've actually shown the inside of a live person's brain in watching these, um, they call them dendrites, in your brain being created at a quantum leap of time. We all understand the speed of sound is extremely fast. Well, quantum Time is even much faster than that. And your brain, as I said earlier, is processing this information that I'm giving you today at 
400 billion thoughts per second. How many seconds have passed by since, since I've started this teaching? I mean, it's amazing when you start to study the brain and how God designed it. And I'm only touching the surface. In order to make a real change, we're going to have three cycles of 21 days in order to change a thought pattern. Whether it's a good thought, you're changing into a bad thought, or a bad thought, you're trying to change into a good thought. And we're supposed to be doing this for the rest of our life. That's the reason we have the battle between flesh and spirit. I'm not going to go into depth because I've taught this before. But the flesh is the part that doesn't have, want anything to do with God. The spirit man on the inside of us, which is the other side, is what wants to have desire and, 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 and passion and, and communion with the Lord. And, of course, the soul is the middle part. And it has in a relationship with both body and the, the spirit man. The body being the fleshly side of us. And there's this constant battle. And because we're humans and we were all born into sin and we live in a sinful world because thanks to Adam and Eve, we live in this world, our soulless realm, which is our mind, will, and emotions, our intellect, has a natural tendency to go to the sinful side, the fleshly side, because we live in a sinful world and that's what dominates us. And so for us to be able to go to the side of our spirit, which is the good side, the side that God wants us to live in, and even designed from the beginning in, his cre in the creation of us that he wanted us to live in, that's the battle. It's easy to go to this side, the sinful side, but it's very hard to go to the other side. That's the reason it's constant for us as believers, fighting the enemy, fighting the negative stuff that we have to deal with in everyday life. It is a struggle to go in that direction. That's the reason it will always be a lifetime experience of trying to please the Lord in everything we do. When we give our life to Christ and we become saved, if I can put it in Christianese, we give our life to Jesus, we get saved. That right there in itself is an instantaneous salvation to where our ticket is stamped for heaven. That part is instantaneous. The part that's not instantaneous for us as believers is the fancy Christianese word that we call sanctification or to be sanctified. Somebody tell me what the word sanctified means. To what? Means to set apart. The process of sanctification is an ongoing process from the day that we give our life to Christ in our spirit man that had been dead for however many years finally comes to life because the spirit of God brings life. And the spirit man on the inside, when we give and we repent, we ask for forgiveness and we mean it with our whole heart, we instantly become saved and we instantly become a believer and then the process of sanctification starts and you will be working on sanctification your whole life until you die or until the Lord comes, whichever comes first. I pray it's the latter. So sanctification, the setting apart, is always constant. 
That's the struggle. The struggle is to do what God wants us to do. We're fighting constantly to try to do and to be pleasing and to do his will. It's so easy to go to the other side because we live in this sinful nature. But the Lord is saying, I want you to work and I will help you through the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you to become like me. To do what I want you to do, to find the will of God to do it. And that struggle is always there. Some of us know what we're called to do in life. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt the purpose that God destined us from the beginning of time. We know that. Some of us don't. And I like to say it that those of us who don't, is, is I like to say our minds are cluttered with so many voices that we don't have a clear thinking process to be able to really hear the voice of the Lord on the inside, to know what our purpose and calling is. And much of it has to do with because of how we were raised as kids. It's the reason I'm really big and huge on the thought of protecting our kids. Because the younger they are, the more vulnerable they are. If you go study Jewish customs, of the Old Testament, God placed high demands upon the Jewish parents to teach their kids the Torah, to teach them scripture, to memorize. Why did he have them memorize the scripture? Because he knew the mind needed to be regenerated and to be renewed, and that comes through repetition. Why do some of our our, our classes on for children here and even in our Christian school that we have here, they're learning scripture and they have to memorize scripture all the time. We don't do that to irritate the kids, to make them think, well, you just got to memorize this for memorization's sake. No, it's to get the word of God from here to here so that when they get older, they have been bombarded with the things of God constantly. For years and years in Christian education, hopefully it's being done in the home. Our kids tend to be schizophrenic because they hear one thing in the school system. They hear, they hear another thing at home. They hear another thing at the church. And our kids grow up confused. You have mom and dad who want to send their kids to church while mom and dad live the life of the devil and they expect their kids to grow up godly when in fact it's the parents' responsibility to raise the kids in the way of the Lord. It's not the church's responsibility. The church is there to reinforce what's being taught in the home. But sadly, in today's culture, our children, for many of them, the only God that they are getting in their entire life as a child is from churches. It's sad. Then you add the fact that they may go to a public school system where God is not even mentioned. No prayer. Kids who are bullies and peer pressure want nothing to do with God, so therefore our kids are in the midst of a bunch of wolves. We just have to pray protection over our kids. Our brain controls our body, and our bodies are affected by what we say and what we're doing and how we think. When God tells us to bring all of our thoughts into captivity through Christ Jesus, 
It's so powerfully important that we find out how to do just this. Now I want to dive in in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23, and I'm going to read that passage of Scripture in, in length. And here's what it says, Galatians 5, 19 through 23. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, in other words, when you give in to your sinful side, and you quit trying to do what God's wanting you to do, because it's easier to do the other direction. When you make a decision and you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, which is worship of other things besides God, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, bickering, arguing, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, which we have a lot today, division, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, so here, the Apostle Paul is repeating something. He's making a point. Let me tell you again, as I have done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I love the but. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives or our thinking processes, when He, the Holy Spirit, controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What we call the fruit of the Spirit. So do you see how our mind plays in, the, in our part of how we behave and act before God and before others? If we are controlled and dominated by the thoughts and intentions of evil or our sinful nature, we will produce a behavior of a sinful nature. We can do the exact opposite. We can become saved. We can have the Holy Spirit dominate and control our life. And with His help and only by His help can we do the things that are pleasing in the eyes of God. constant battle and the enemy will use your brain and your mind to keep you on the side of our sinful nature because it's so much easier over there. It takes absolutely no work for you to sin, but it takes work for you to live holy and righteous before God. That's the reason I'm so thankful for the grace of God. Because you see, the grace of God covers all of our mistakes. The Lord knows the struggles that we have in our mind and how our behavior comes out. He understands that. He, is, he gives us grace during those moments when we struggle because He understands it. Jesus understands us because He walked this earth with us. He's the only God that has walked this earth. The only God that's alive and living anyway, 
But he walked this earth so he can understand you and I. That's the reason he can give us grace more than the Old Testament because he, he, he felt what we felt. He saw the things that we saw. He saw our battles. He saw our He himself had struggles with the devil. And we read that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Jesus himself, so when we are controlled by our evil, by our sinful nature, we make wrong decisions and we produce wrong behavior. But we allow the Holy Spirit to dominate and control us. We do what's right before God. Doesn't mean we still make mistakes because you will always make mistakes. You will always sin at some point before God because of the human nature. Doesn't does not give you a license to sin. Okay, I don't know if you've heard this. There's a, there's a word called greasy grace. Anybody ever heard of greasy grace? In other words, well, just go ahead and do whatever you want. If it's a sin, you can just ask for forgiveness later. It doesn't work like that. Okay, grace looks at your heart and your intentions. God looks at your heart and intentions. If he sees your heart and intentions are right, even though you made a mistake, I believe God really honors and gives grace to you because he knows what your intentions were. But if we intentionally, intentionally sin and we know we're sinning, it's hard for God to give us grace for that until we become repentant. And we ask the Lord to really forgive us for that mistake. Then grace is applied when repentance is given. So when we make wrong decisions or when we choose incorrectly, it's then captured inside our brain on a physical level. And because every thought you think becomes a physical reaction in our brain. Now I'm getting to the science part of this. And I'm given this from a neuroscientist perspective. When we choose to whine, to moan, to complain, to be negative, to worry, all the things that Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says that we must not do, then it changes the chemical structure in the brain to be what we call toxic thinking. And when we have toxic thinking, it impacts our entire body in a negative way, and your brain wasn't designed by God to handle toxic thinking. And this toxic thinking then reproduces itself in an outward behavior that becomes sin in God's eyes. So these toxic thoughts throw our electrical chemical circuits in our brain into what they call neurochemical disarray and chaos. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking science here. This is You won't find these words in Scripture, but it gets backed up with Scripture. So it, it throws these toxic thoughts, will throw us in this neurochemical disarray and chaos. And when this happens, our bodies are thrown into a vulnerability zone. And this vulnerability zone means that we have a 75 to 98% chance of getting some kind of mental, physical, or behavioral illness in our life, and it starts with our thought life. There is a scientific word out there called hypochondriacs. 
For those of you who may not know what this secular word is, is that a person can believe with their whole heart that they are sick when there are no medical issues whatsoever, but because they thought it long enough, their body becomes sick. It's a science thing. I'm not giving you a bunch of hot air. I'm telling you, science has proven it. It even gave the name hypochondria. So there are people who have produced a sickness in their bodies, a physical sickness, because they thought it into existence. And it all started because of a thought. I don't know how it started in hypochondriacs. Most likely, most likely, and I, this can't be verified, it may vary from person to person who are hypochondriacs, if that's where they be diagnosed, is that they probably wanted attention from others. And because they wanted, they were desperate for attention for others, that they started thinking themselves to be sick and telling everybody that of their problem. I don't know if you ever heard of anybody that every, you know, someone, you may know them, every time you talk to them and ask them how they're doing, they will tell you what's wrong with them. How many of you, don't raise your hand, there, hopefully there's none in here. But I, I've, I've encountered a few, not everybody. And believe me, there are some people that are really battling a health issue that was not created from a thought process. Is they truly are have a medical issue that's happening. But the hypochondriacs, they thought it into this. Science has proven that their body, our bodies will respond based upon our thought life. This is interesting. Science again has proven that there are top oncologists, which are blood disease doctors, and medical researchers are finding out, I'm relying upon the statistics, that top oncologists and medical researchers are finding out that 98%, that's pretty high, right? 98% of cancer is created out of the mind. I have no idea how they've come to that conclusion with such a high number, but that is what the scientists are saying, that 98% of cancer is created out of the mind. I want to let you take that for what it is. I find it hard to believe, but that's what science is telling us today in the studies. So God has designed us to change our brain with his help and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's designed us to control our brain and, not, and our brain not to control us. As Dr. Leaf says, we are to be what they call neuroplasticians. Neuro meaning mind or brain. Plastic means to change. Neuroplastician. Science is proving that we don't have to become a victim of our biology. That even though we cannot control events and circumstances of our life, we can control our reactions to those events and circumstances. And it's the reaction that causes us to think the way we think. And because we are a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, science is proving that God has designed our spirit to be in control of our soul, and our soul should be in control of our body. That's the way God created it. But because of the sinful nature you and I live in, it's reversed. 
the flesh, the sinful nature controls our body, which controls our soul, which controls our spirit. Our body should be doing the will of the soul and the spirit and not the other way around. Before Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God and made and, and allowed sin to come into this earth, we were designed specifically. Adam and Eve lived what, what science has, is proving that we should be doing now. Adam and Eve lived like this, but when they sinned, they opened the door for sin, and you and I have never experienced this freedom of knowing God the way that we were originally designed in our minds. If you're not born again, then your spirit man on the inside is unregenerated. In other words, it's dead. And it's floating around in an unconnected world, being vulnerable to the enemy's lies. That's the reason the Bible says, for the unbeliever's minds have been closed. They don't know truth. Their spirit, man, on the inside is dead. It's not alive. But when you do become born again, your spirit becomes regenerated and becomes alive. And it stops bouncing around aimlessly by the waves of life. And then you finally, as a believer, as a Christian, gets plugged in to a powerful source called the Holy Spirit. And when we get plugged in to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will help deal with our spirit man, which will speak to our soul, which will speak to our body to respond and behave accordingly to God's will. We rely upon the Holy Spirit to help us do the things in the will of God in our life. For without the Holy Spirit, we wander around aimlessly in life. Now, we're coming to our close. I'm going to read this because it's very technical, scientific information of how the, br the brain works and how it processes thoughts. So I'm going to read this. I can't say it. I'm going to read this. So here's what it says from Dr. Lee. Our thoughts in our brains look like trees. These trees are neurons which have 100 billion neurons in our brain that make up 20% of our brain. The other 80% of our brain are made up of nerve cells that support the neurons. And when a memory is created, it grows into what is called a dendrite. And this dendrite grows from these neurons. Dendrites look like tree limbs growing from a tree. I literally saw the video that she played of however they did camera work in the mine. You will see these tree-like branches growing in the mine every time a thought is produced or a memory is produced. Right now, as I'm speaking, your mind is producing millions and millions of dendrites, according to science. So it's like tree branches. Dendrites start growing when a memory is produced. Every dendrite in your mind holds memories about your life. And right now you're producing many dendrites, and, and dendrites hold the temporary memory of my words. Right now it's temporary. It's being held in a temporary memory zone in your mind. Because probably by the end of the week, if you don't process what I'm saying, you will forget a lot of what I've said. When you break down the dendrite to a cellular level, it houses a nucleus and a DNA. 
we all know what DNA is. It's what makes us up. It, it, DNA helps create our personality, our facial features, everything about us is our DNA. And these uh, DNA has chromosomes that make up our genetic code. The genetic code makes amino acids, and amino acids group together and form what we call proteins. So these proteins then forms whatever structures needed in response to the signal that we've received through our eye gate and our ear gate to block the signal. This right here, see right here on this side, the ears and the eyes are the gateways into our soul. The reason you've got to be careful what you see, what you hear, and even what you feel. The genetic code makes up amino acids. Amino acids make into proteins. Proteins then forms whatever structures needed in response to the signal of the outside source that's received. And if the signal happens to be something that you have thought or reacted to, then the signal in our mind goes out in little packages of energy that generates a signal which unzips our DNA. So our DNA is unzipped according to science. And when it is unzipped, the gene code expresses itself and the proteins are made which group together, which grows the dendrite branches inside our brain, which holds the information that we receive. And through our choices, we are either producing a positive or a negative memory branch called a dendrite. Our choices and the way we react to our choices are signals that actually cause the expression of our genes, which is then captures the thought as a physical reaction in our brain. And that is what we operate from, either from toxic thoughts or healthy that my, my brain is fried just by reading that. And I was trying to type this out as she was saying all this, trying to comprehend it. I, I tell you, I have not comprehended it. But all I know is because I don't understand it does not mean it's not working. I don't understand electricity. But I know if I go flip that light switch on, the light's are going to come on. Don't get bogged down with trying to understand everything in life because you'll never understand everything in life. You'll never understand God completely. All you need to know is that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he can help you with anything. So in closing, when we operate from toxic thoughts, we throw our bodies into a vulnerable state of mind which, ca which causes an inflammation in the brain and causes a neurochemical chaos. We're talking about negative thoughts toxic thinking, then your whole immune system, according to science, recognizes this in the same way as it would of a physical injury. So if you had a virus or a physical injury inside your body, your immune system would start sending out inflammatory factors to start bringing healing to that damaged place. The same thing happens with our thoughts. Your body is designed to respond to a toxic thought in the same way that your immune system will respond to an injury. 
And as you think, millions of processes at quantum speeds are taking place that are creating our memories. Your memories are what you operate from. Your whole body is being driven by these memories of thought, whether they are healthy or unhealthy. What you are thinking is influencing how your body is functioning. If you went to bed whining and moaning and being bitter, then you wake up with 300 million new cells. And what they look like will depend on how you went to sleep the night before. Science has proven that someone who went to bed in a bad mood or had a bad experience when they went to bed, that over time it affects your skin, it, in, it affects the eyes, it affects many things. They say it even affects the way you walk in life. Think about it. When someone is in depression, true depression, they have no spring in their step. They have no life in their body. They're like a walking zombie. Some of you have experienced depression. You know what it's like when you walk in depression. You walk slower probably. You walk with more of your head down. You walk without. But if you walk with a positive thought, mindset, things that are going great for you, you walk taller. You walk better. You may walk faster. So science is proving what happens in our brain affects our habits. So it says here that if you went to bed whining and moaning and bitter, then you wake up with 300 million new cells, and what they look like will depend on how you went to sleep the night before. And that's the reason when people are negative, their eyes don't shine, the skin doesn't look great, they walk differently. There's a physical manifestation of change based upon the toxic or healthy thoughts that we produce even at nighttime while we sleep. I, I haven't even gotten on the subject matter of the conscious physical state. That's a whole nother level of the mind and the brain and how that works. Depending on if I teach this next week, I don't know. I have someone else scheduled. I have to rearrange next week if I continue on the subject matter. And I've come to the conclusion that if you want me to teach on next Wednesday, majority rules, whoever comes up to me or expresses somehow throughout the week, if you want to hear it, I, I will go on. But if I hear a lot of silence, I will cut it off tonight and know that I've given you a lot to think about, okay? Okay. Well, tell me in person or via email or something. I don't want to make someone feel bad if they're done with the subject matter. So, closing, how do we renew our mind or change our thinking? I gave you the science. I gave you last week how the enemy will play with your mind and use it against you, use it against God. And this is not an exhaustive, complete list. It's just something through my study that I've come up with. Number one and the foremost thing that we can do as believers to change the way we think and change and renew our mind, as it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is confession. You have to start with confession. You can't change anything about you the Lord, the Holy Spirit cannot do anything with your life until you confess your sins, your wrongdoings, your mistakes. Confession is powerful. Romans chapter 10 where it says this, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and he died on the cross for you and your sins and you are saved. 
There's something about the confession of the mouth that opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. So you got to confess it. If you don't acknowledge it, you can't change it. And it, it, it's a saying, it's a, it's a quote that I've heard millions of times, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And there are so many people in life, Christian, non-Christian, does not matter, that we can't change anything because we don't realize. How many people are alcoholic or drug addicts? Full-fledged, head-on, drug addicts and alcoholics. But they will deny to you that they're a drug addict or an alcoholic. They deny it, they fight it, they resist it. So number one is confession. Number two, you got to replace toxic thoughts or ungodly thoughts with healthy and godly thoughts. You have to replace them. And you do that by number three, repetition. Reading the Word of God over and over and over and over and over again. Reading every day helps replace bad thoughts with good thoughts. Ungodly, evil thoughts with godly thoughts. And I don't have time to go in this because I'm way over my time. But this is important information. Think of your mind as a fertile garden in which weeds will grow in abundance if seeds of a more desirable crop are not By natural instinct of the human nature, if we don't sow good seed or good thoughts, through continual repetition, we will permit thoughts of destructive nature to find their way into our rich garden of our minds. I know I've fed you a lot tonight. Lord, let it be. Give us revelation. Help us to renew our minds, but Lord, we've got to confess what we need to confess to you. If we confess it with our mouth, but we'll sin and we'll commit sin. We confess wrong thinking. We confess things that we've done wrong in our lives. We acknowledge it, Lord. And now, Lord, help us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Change our minds. Let's change our behavior. Let's change how we respond and react to things that you want us to react to. God, we love you, and we love you for your glory and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you.